Now, I'll admit, this race might not have left us as excited as Papa Perez in the end, but the Mexican GP had tons of really interesting points to dissect. And that is the mission and the purpose of this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. Welcome to the Mexican GP review. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast. My name is Samuel Arora. I'm the host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. And over the course of this episode, I'll be joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, who also works as an FIA accredited Formula 1 journalist at the Viaplay Network in Norway. And so this episode has a lot to talk about, all the racing action. And first off, I just want to start with Max Verstappen because he now literally has beaten Schumacher and Vettel all year round, of course. But now he's beaten the real legendary Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel as well by taking his 14th win of the year. Now, my question to you, Kunal, is that do you think Formula 1 is much like a Disney princess race, a movie sort of? Because we see five or six different things happening every single race, but the outcome always remains the same. Max Verstappen wins and we live happily ever after. It's just no difference. Thank you for that introduction, Somil. I don't know how many people live happily ever after each time Max wins a race or wins a championship, given all the controversy that has followed him ever since 2021 Abu Dhabi. And if you guys are wondering why we've not had Max on our show just yet in an interview format, that is because we just spoke of the 2021 controversy, which, hey, it seems like, you know, with the whole Sky and Red Bull and the Max uh, boycott that we saw. Firstly, it's one race boycott. That's what at least Christian Horner is saying. Lots of people are believing it's a lots of it's an indefinite boycott to my mind just talking about the controversy you can you know if 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 i was to just be neutral and i'm sure our regular listeners know i'm neutral the fia are saying it was a human error right and the minute you say human error whether you like it or not you are putting a question mark on the championship am i saying go back and change it am i saying max didn't deserve it or lewis deserved more no i'm not saying any of that i'm just literally repeating what the wording was and this is where a lot of our dutch listeners will fall in love with me again right because i'm just trying to say it's a it's a very it's a very tough situation to be in and it's just unfortunate you know we saw japan his win happened and then he didn't know he had won in singapore of course uh, 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 no in 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 miami sorry in austin red bull got the constructors championship and then the whole uh, you know, the whole uh, cost cap breach was official. And now after the cost cap breach penalty happened, he scored 14th win. So controversy just follows Verstappen everywhere he goes, just the way success does. And this reminds me of the famous quote from The Matrix, there's always a balance in the equation. Yep, but it seems like controversy is the only thing that can follow him because Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes and of course Ferrari as well, don't worry, we will talk about them. They just couldn't keep up, really. This whole weekend, there were so many random things that happened eventually and Mercedes tried and tried very hard and it just did not work out. And that is also one thing that we're going to discuss in depth over the course of this particular episode. But seriously, Kunal, uh, how would you rate this race? Because in my mind, if you just change the name from the Mexican GP to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and change the name from Ferrari to Mercedes, nobody would even bat an eye. It's literally the same thing. Verstappen dominates and... There's a couple of Mercedes, or in the past case, Ferrari cars closing behind the, the Ferraris, and now, um, no, the, the Mercedes, and now it is Ferrari. They're trailing off in the background, not even taking part in the race. 
no normal days or i think it's just the same there's just the characters that have been slightly interchanged and that do not the leading ones or the supporting ones because the lead actor just keeps on winning and winning and winning would it ever stop that's a good uh, analogy somal and 14 wins for max verstappen the new record in itself in formula 1 he's beaten the record of schumacher and fettel as you said interestingly one of our friends and a very dear listener of uh, of the inside line f1 podcast akshay points out that when uh, when sebastian and michael won their 13 races that was the last year of them winning a drivers championship in formula 1 so let's hope that's not the case in the terms of max we need max to be in the fight irrespective of who wins like i keep saying so that's that's something i hope that stat or that trend doesn't come true in the case of max verstappen but rating the race i i don't know it was one of those races you know maybe 5 on 10 6 on 10 if that's the word and my reason is this was actually a very typical 2022 formula 1 grand prix where we were sort of waiting for something to happen and waiting for something to happen in this case the wait was for red bulls medium tires to drop off word is out on the street that both the mercedes drivers actually woke up on monday morning with their race engineers texting them saying the tires are still going to drop off just hang in there <laughs> and that that's what sort of happened so in a, a typical 2022 grand prix where we've not seen a safety car bunch the field up you know midway through a race and uh, we've not seen sort of uh, red bull actually genuinely be challenged this is how that race has turned out so it was a bit of a boring race if one would put it that way but uh, you know just waiting in anticipation for mercedes's simulation to come to life is what we all spent a lot of uh, time uh, time on i would say so that's my rating uh in the end uh it was an easy win for max verstappen and one of the key factors was you know nobody knew how what would be the fastest way to run this race would it be a one stopper or would it be a two stopper because degradation was different new tires this year let's remember and also the track got cooler as the race progressed so the soft was performing better the medium was also performing better but the hard just did not perform and that sort of changed the the course of the race and took the race to red bull and max verstappen's favor and it's these sort of things live that make the race so much fun yes in the grand scheme of things we could have seen more in the mexican gp but i can't wait for the brazilian gp as well when we actually have peter winser on the inside line of one podcast live with us joining us for our brazilian gp race watch along and we're going to be discussing likes of strategy likes of driver styles past stories and the current formula 1 season as well as the race happens with us live so don't forget to register for that event by clicking the link in the description below It's the ultimate second screen experience as Kunal describes it and we can't wait to have you over there sending in your questions live and interacting with Peter as the race goes on. And the question of strategy also brings us onto Mercedes because I think this weekend the only really good thing that Mercedes did was they did well to clear off the debris. I mean I meant debris not debris out of the car in FP1 but after that it just all went downhill into a pile of debris you could put it this way. And the question I've really got in mind, Kunal, and I'm genuinely curious about this: Would we have, would we have slandered Mercedes if they were branded as Ferrari for doing the same mistake as they did? Because, as you mentioned, they were really, uh, uh, in hindsight, of course, wrong on the way they simulated the race performance to end up go about. 
But essentially at this stage, this is a typical Ferrari race. It's a typical Ferrari mistake where they end up choosing a completely wrong tyre on the whole. And nobody bats an early. I mean, of course, there has been a bit of an outrage. But had it been Ferrari, I just get a feeling that they wouldn't have been able to leave Mexico City alive. What do you reckon? Had it been Ferrari with Checo Perez in it making this mistake, then yes, leaving Mexico City would have been tougher for Ferrari. But I, I personally feel Mercedes could have taken a little bit of risk. You know, they got stuck in this whole template. We need to treat our drivers equally. Both of them get the same or same-ish strategy. And think of it, they both started on mediums, went to the hard. So their choice of compounds was one step harder at every step of the race when Max did a soft and then a medium. So, you know, it was just reading the conditions wrong. And eventually, in all of this, it just shows that, yes, Mercedes was really quick, but they weren't quick enough to genuinely challenge for the win. And Toto Wolf explained it pretty well. Had they started on the soft, maybe Lewis would have sort of gotten track position or been closer. Uh, you know, had they swapped a, a different tire with one of the drivers, maybe George could have taken the soft or something. You know, they could have tried something different. He said, eventually, we would have still finished where we did, right? And the, the, that was just down to lack of pace. And after Singapore, they said Mexico showed there in their simulations that they they could have sort of been favorites to win here or was one of those circuits where they could have, you know, won a little little more with ease and a bit of or lots of luck. Altitude came into play in their uh, favor. Let's remember Brazil, which we've got Peter Windsor joining us as well, also is a high altitude race, not as high as Mexico, but it is still a high altitude race in itself as well. So at the end of the day, Mercedes, uh, I think more than getting the strategy wrong, what people were not happy, including the drivers. And Lewis said this, you know, maybe we were missing a soft. And two races ago, it was, hey, maybe we were missing a medium and so on, right? I think it was just down to the fact that they they just didn't read the conditions as well as they could. And they went a little conservative on 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 their strategy approach. And that's just where it sort of goes. And, you know, like Lewis says, we live to fight another day. And let's hope that uh, they will end up fighting in Brazil. Because I remember qualifying, apart from Charles Leclerc, who had that issue, there were literally five cars in the battle for pole position, right? And uh, George Russell was convinced that had he not made his mistake, he would have been on pole, whatever, irrespective and how that whole thing turned out. And then the difference between George and Lewis you know, both of them, especially Lewis being such a massive superstar when it comes to Saturday qualifying, was so little. I think it was 0.005 or something, if I remember correctly. So all in all, a very, very strong Mercedes performance. And their performance, I think, was also amplified by the fact that it was definitely the worst performance for Ferrari at a Grand Prix weekend in 2022. Some. Oh, don't worry. We will get to Ferrari in a second. But I just want to talk about Mercedes a little bit more. I think... They were slightly conflicted with the medium compound at the start. I mean, it's like they were always confused. Well, is it going to be a one-stopper or a two-stopper at the very end? And they kind of, as you rightly mentioned, Kunal, they rightly went conservative at the very end. But I'm not sure if it was, in hindsight, of course, the best move possible. Because Verstappen was able to keep a hold of those medium compound tyres for a very, very long time. Sebastian Vettel was able to do 40 laps with the soft compound tyres at the end as well. So perhaps there is enough evidence to suggest that, yes, at the very end, those mediums maybe could have held up and Mercedes. Yeah, it would have been a long shot, but perhaps tried off with the soft compound tyres. And so maybe a little bit more aggression would have paid off in their regard. But it's hard to tell in the moment because it's so dynamic, so tricky to do. 
But I'm just very encouraged to see this closeness from Mercedes in qualifying as well because we saw so many drivers barely split by anything in the second qualifying session as well. So that's that's kind of a good sign that Mercedes is getting there. But again, not sure if this is going to be sustained in the long run or not. But now we come to Ferrari. Well, were Ferrari a part of this race canal? Did you see them? I, I actually didn't see them at all. I didn't even know if they turned up in Mexico City at all. Did, did you see any red car flashing by barring the Alfa Romeos? The only time I saw a red car flashing by, actually, that's a very good question, was when they were sliding around or, you know, I think Charles had a very, you know, a snap of oversteer middle of the seven, eight, nine sequences or something. So it was only when they were sliding around, snapping, or maybe a couple of overtakes here and there, you know, disastrous. Carlos Sainz was very, very vocal. He said, we know what's wrong with the car. It's technical. I cannot reveal what it is. But we've had to make certain compromises in our package this weekend when it came to, I believe, cooling. And that's probably one of the reasons why they were where they were. And the difference was either not finishing a race or finishing where or finishing where they did. And that's probably what happened uh, to, to Ferrari, I would say. And interestingly, you're talking of strategy. You know, it was everybody was waiting to see what happens when you put on the hard. The first driver to put on the hard was Nicolas Latifi, and he went green in his on his outlap. So that prompted Lewis Hamilton to say, I want to go on the hard. And then Lewis Hamilton also went green on his outlap. That prompted Mercedes to believe that the hard tires are the right tire to be, right? But what people were not seeing, or maybe at least not, uh, you know, broadcast or not really, you know, spoken about post-race was that it was actually the soft tire that was doing really when uh, really well in the opening parts of the race. I mean, Sebastian Vettel ran the soft for what is it, some forty odd laps, right? And nobody almost thought that the soft would last that long. And it was Vettel in an Aston Martin bottom five, so sort of people didn't read it. We saw Daniel Ricciardo make use of the soft tire at the very end of the race. He went from 12th to 7th with some help from Lando Norris, despite a 10 second penalty that he picked up for doing something that Daniel Ricciardo almost never does. But that was that was just the case. It was a game of strategy. And uh, all those who made the soft tire work, I believe, actually had a better result at the end of the day than those relying on the hard. And that's just the way it, it went, uh, Sommel, in the end. And again, that's what I said, a typical... 2022 race where if you don't have a safety car you're relying too much on tire delta uh you know you're on 10 lap old softs and i'm on new softs and hence i have you know a delta on you and hence the pace advantage to overtake you or you know you rely too much on strategy and frankly none of that showed up in mexico and that's why it was a bit of a puzzle the race but what do the numbers have to say about this race here's f1 stats guru sundaram back on the podcast with his usual stats review segment to give you a better idea of the Mexican GP in context of all the stats and numbers, let's listen to him. Hey folks, it's time to do the stats review of the Mexico City Grand Prix. My name is Sundaram, also known as the F1 Stats Guru. Let's get straight into the numbers. Now, the biggest stat of the weekend is that Max Verstappen has broken an 18-year-old record. Michael Schumacher set things up pretty well back in 2004 by taking 13 wins in one season. We often wondered if anyone would turn up that dominant to break that record. Nine years later, a young Sebastian Vettel did equal it, but a further nine years later... A young Max Verstappen. He's still young. He's just 24 or 25, actually. He's broken the record. 14 wins in one season. And let's see how many more can he get before the end of the season. 
He also broke the record for the most points scored over one season. He's currently at 416 and there are two races left and he went past Lewis Hamilton's tally of 413 which he set back in 2019. Also, before 2021, a Red Bull driver had never led the championship in the hybrid era and cut to late 2022, Verstappen has led the driver standings for 30 races. That's the second most since 2014 in the hybrid era after of course Lewis Hamilton. Now, Ferrari they've seemed a little missing. They finished 5th and 6th uh, this time out and even this they finished 5th and 6th in last year's Mexico Grand Prix, but the fact is that they've failed to make it to the podium for the very first time after the summer break. Mercedes in uh, on the other hand they've been having a couple of good results of lately and they've made more top 2 finishes which is 3 than Ferrari which is 2 since the summer break. And lastly Daniel Ricardo he had a pretty good race apart from that collision with Yuki Tsunoda but eventually he finished 7th and that was the first time he managed to outrace his teammate Lando Norris in 11 races. Well that was a stats review I hope you guys enjoyed it for more such stats follow me on Instagram and Twitter under the name f1statsgroup I'll see you guys later. Now what I really want to talk about is what happened in the other parts of the race the less serious side of it now before we get to that i also have to just kind of mention the fact that now sergio perez is well and truly ahead of charles leclerc in the championship battle and that could perhaps swing in his favor with the last couple of races coming up and we can't wait for you to join us with us join us on the inside line of one podcast as we go through this journey of the last couple of races together but also the other thing is that mclaren are barely barely behind alpine now 7 points after that rather disappointing performance from alpine yes esteban ocon was incredible i think the overtake that he made around the outside of turn number 1 and 2 i think that was jointly the best moment of the race but what happened to fernando alonso also was for lewis hamilton at least the best moment of the race as well kunal just just another retirement for them alpine seemed to be just getting on a high and then all of a sudden it just crashes back down to earth so quickly the one thing i can only think of is that aston martin better have a bulletproof car ready because fernando alonso is literally counting the number of points he's lost through dnfs or technical snags or the fi robbing him off or whatever he's up to 50 points now this guy is on a mission in terms of the points he's lost at least that is yeah that, and that's like two race wins right and it was it was so heartening to see fernando alonso i mean he was driving a very smart race he came up to 7th place he was managing his tires he had a massive gap to the top 6 he realized that this is all about tire degradation and he was forming this whole train behind him valtteri bottas and then esteban ocon and joe ocon you and everybody was just you know it was a, it was the alonso train which we saw i think in monaco or some place as well where he just slowed down so much that he was he was fast when he had to be and then he was you know sort of backing the pack up when he had to and then you know he he was he was so relaxed he said yeah the car is very good just give me whatever tire you you can i i don't care you know and whatever tire you give him he was willing to make it work and then alpine probably said we'll give you the right tire but we'll also give you one cylinder less and that's where the problem happened because he had five cylinders for the last 18 laps before he retired right and that sort of just did him in and because i remember suddenly on the on the timing sheets uh, bottas and ocon overtook uh, alonso and i said that's impossible i mean when last did we see fernando alonso suddenly lose two positions in a span of a few corners and then it seems that one of the cylinders when it went off he went off at turn 13 and that's how those two sort of crept back in we missed this in the official broadcast if i remember correctly i don't see remember seeing a replay but that's what happened to fernando alonso but 
it's just Fernando Alonso things. I don't think we should be sort of surprised because that's just how how it goes. And you know, Alpine uh, just being seven points ahead is a lot down to reliability. Eventually, they have the fastest car. They just don't have the reliability that they sort of need. In the case of McLaren, they were buoyed by Daniel Ricciardo's charge. He made the mediums work for 46 laps. And then he said, you know, guys, just give me the soft. I'll make it work. He made all the overtakes. And then he pulled, what, a 12-second gap on Esteban Ocon. So all in all, there are still lots of narratives and lots of stories to track all the way to Abu Dhabi, even though Max is one the driver's Red Bull has now been penalized for what they did last year and have won the constructors this year. And Max has sort of won 14 races as well. Helmut Marco, Christian Horner, both of them saying, yes, we're going for the 16 race wins. And then Horner actually turned around and said something very interesting. He said, never before in history have Red Bull scored a 1-2 in the Drivers' Championship. And we want to try and get Checo Perez to... Uh, to finish second in the drivers' championship, so you know they are setting their their sights high. They know they've got a competitive advantage. So hey, why not use it to maximize all the results and records in the season? Should have just let him open his DRS wing. I know it's not their fault. Look, he is, but just somehow, if that DRS wing had worked in qualifying, if Max had given him the toe, ah, I just wanted to see the sight of Sergio Perez winning in Mexico and Papa Perez going completely wild and bonkers. But he still did, actually. I just wonder, how is that man genuinely so happy? It's it's just contagious happiness. Whenever you see him celebrating or dancing near the podium or just happy with Sergio Perez, you feel that much happier as well. I, mean, I think we should have him in every single race event as well. He just adds so much of, so much of uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Wholesomeness, if you could put it that way. And for Daniel Ricciardo, I was also surprised to see him kind of crash out and recover so quickly. I mean, with, the, with Esteban, not Esteban Ocon, I'm sorry, Yuki Tsunoda. It's like, I think Taco Bell should make him their brand ambassador, right? Like the one weekend Ricardo has Mexican food, he goes wild, hits a person, but still ends up putting a 10-second gap over his main rival. Something of that sort. But to close off this episode, Kunal, what I really want to know is your moment of the race. Was it the mariachi F1 team at the start that really got it for you? Or was it more, more at the end that really clinched it for you? Oh, you nailed it. It absolutely was the Mexican themed. And imagine all of this that we are seeing. We are seeing it because of one driver, and that is Checo Perez and the national hero that he is. I mean, we celebrate Max Verstappen for all the Dutch army, and we celebrate Lewis Hamilton for all the British fans that he sort of brings out. Checo Perez is not far behind when it comes to being as big as a celebrity just that he's in a non-English speaking market far away in Mexico and all of that. But I think it was an incredible race, very fantastic of Formula One to uh, customize and localize their themes as well. I would say the Day of the Dead celebration, so many fans, you know, out with banners for Checo Perez. And to top it all, we had one more race where Lewis and Fernando had a run-in on social media where Fernando made some statements and he backtracked saying, oh, the chasing of headlines and clicks. And then Lewis just put a thumbs up and let it go. And I don't know if this banter will ever end. I don't think this banter should ever end. And uh, it's just Lewis and Fernando things, I would say. And long may they continue. But wow, what a weekend on the whole. 
in terms of all the off track stuff as well and you might be wondering at this stage well what's our thoughts and our opinions on the budget cap but i think it deserves a more detailed platform than a race review because you're specifically trying to talk about the race over here but yeah i think that is also a major topic that we should talk about at some point now we we should and you know one thing about checo checo perez very crucially one thing when lewis hamilton was being booed he actually stood up and he was pointing and he was waving to the crowd to tell them not to boo and i think that in itself is fantastic i have no idea why sports people get booed they're doing what they love to do they're bringing us so much entertainment and so much excitement day in and day out like 22 24 races you don't like somebody just look the other way find 19 other drivers to sort of you know like or dislike but I don't think booing is the right attitude but that's just me being preachy at the very end of this episode. Yeah, unless we're talking about Kurt Zuma who got booed by all the Manchester United fans this weekend because he kicked his cat and released a video on private social media. So I think that yeah, that does deserve a boo. But otherwise, spread the positivity, be like Papa Perez and be like Red Bull Racing where they've just had a great time. But folks, don't boycott this podcast. Don't be like Max Verstappen in that regard. Leave us a good rating if you liked this episode and don't forget to subscribe to the Inside Line of One podcast as well. As I told you previously as well, don't forget to join us for the Brazilian GP watch along with Peter Winsor by clicking on the link in the description and we shall see you back once more for the Brazilian GP preview rather soon. So, enjoy the time till then folks. Have a good weekend and bye-bye. Have a good time.